Please turn in your Bibles now to uh, the little book of Jude. I have no idea what page it's on in the uh, Bibles there that you have. But it's right before the book of Revelation. So if you'd uh, turn there, please. And the text is Jude uh, verses 1 through 4. The first four verses of this little book. Hear God's word. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we do thank you that you're good and gracious to us altogether. We thank you that we are connected to your Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit in your plan and purpose. And so we can have confidence that you love us. And we are very grateful that this is the case. And as the loved of God, we see in our text uh, this evening, uh, that uh, speaking to us through uh, Jude, you desire us to, on a regular basis, review the good things of our salvation. And at the same time, do this so that we are better able to contend and fight for the faith that has been given to us. So as we look uh, into uh, the beginning of uh, this little book of Jude, we pray uh, that your good hand of mercy and peace and love would be upon us, and that we might learn from you to do your will, we pray. In the good name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. Amen. Uh, the trophy given to the uh, team uh, at the end of the pro football season that wins the Super Bowl is called the Vince Lombardi Trophy. It's named after the late, uh, uh, great, you might say, coach of the Green Bay Packers, uh, Vince Lombardi. And uh, Coach Lombardi uh, was uh, not infrequently asked, uh, how he wins so many football games. And uh, he said, uh, 
we practice the fundamentals. We major in the basics. We practice blocking. We practice tackling. We practice handling the football. We major in the basics. Uh, and of course, uh, this idea carries over into life. It's a good thing to major in the basics of life. And it's also a good thing to major in the basics of Christianity. And as we think about this and come to uh, Jude, uh, uh, this little book, uh, Jude is anxious for us to major in the fundamentals, to major in the basics. In fact, uh, he's desirous for us to review on a regular basics the basics of Christianity, the basics of salvation. And he's desirous of our being able to do this uh, so that we are better able to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Uh, which, of course, he says. And uh, so the big point uh, for the message this evening is review on a regular basis your salvation and the content of your faith to better prepare you to contend for this faith in a fallen world. Now, as we uh, get into the book of Job, or Job, Jude, J-U, not J-O, <laughs> the book of Jude, uh, Jude, of course, greets us. Uh, this little letter is written to the likes of you and me. Verses 1 and 2. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. James, or Jude, introduces himself as the brother of James. He uh, is a, a brother of our Lord, in fact, and in Matthew uh, 1355, uh, the question is asked uh, uh, by the people in uh, Jesus' hometown. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Uh, there we go. Who are the brothers of our Lord? James for one, Judas uh, for another. And so, uh, here is this uh, man, Judas, a brother of our Lord, who also introduces himself as a servant. Uh, other versions uh, translate the word bondservant. And the reason it's translated bondservant is that we are people who are bought with a price. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus. We are not our own. We are bondservants of our Lord Jesus Christ, along with uh, this writer, uh, Jude. 
And the letter is addressed to those who are called. Uh, remember, folks, you and I are called individuals. And this doesn't mean that uh, someone just stood out our, outside our house and said, Hey, Mary! Hey, Jane! Come on out! No. <laughs> the calling is a calling that's worked in your heart and my heart by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, more on that uh, in a moment. Uh, you are called by God because you are loved. Those who are called beloved of God the Father. You are adopted as children of the living God. Uh, my wife and I gladly have three adopted grandchildren. And uh, they're, they're great kids. And uh, they call us Grandma and Grandpa. And we're glad for that. They're part of our family. They've been adopted into our family. And we've been adopted into the family of God. And uh, the reason we've been adopted into the family of God is that we have an inheritance that is prepared in heaven for us. Praise be unto God. Look at uh, the first verse again. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Uh, Peter uh, speaks about this in the first chapter of Peter. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. In other words, you have an inheritance in heaven. Jesus says, I have that my Father's house has many dwelling places, and I go there to prepare a place for you. What a good thing that is, that Jesus Christ is preparing even now a place for you in heaven. It's being kept for you. You have a reservation in heaven. And then uh, Jude uh, offers this prayer, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. The original text actually says mercy and peace and love. It's a figure of speech in which three words tied together by and refer to one thing. It's kind of like what Jesus says in the Gospel. I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus isn't speaking about three different things. He's speaking about one thing. He's speaking about the way into heaven. And the disciples are saying, we don't know the way. And he's saying, you do know the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true and living way. That's what Jesus is saying in that place. And here, mercy is tantamount to grace. And that grace is manifested in peace or shalom, a a great overarching sense of security and settledness of heart because you are at peace with your neighbors and you are at 
peace with God. And this peace comes into your heart because the love of God has been poured out in your heart through the Holy Spirit who has been given to you. Jude is describing you, dear friends in Christ. And he's writing uh, this little letter to you and to me. And then he, he says uh, to each of you, you have a common faith and a common salvation. Verse 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about your common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Uh, you notice uh, the second person, and it's second person plural. It's a letter that's given to a group of people, a church, as it were. And it's written to you and to me in uh, this frame. Uh, I was eager to write to you about your common salvation, and I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. And what uh, Jude means here by the faith is not uh, faith that you exercise. What Jude means here by faith is the body of truth that is given to us in the Scriptures about Jesus Christ in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. The body of truth in the Old Testament that foreshadows Jesus Christ. That foreshadows Jesus Christ in all the ceremonies in Old Testament Israel. In all the sacrifices and all of the worship of the Old Testament. And all of those things foreshadowed in the Old Testament are fulfilled in the New Testament. In and by Jesus Christ, the Lord. And it's this body of faith that Jude is concerned about. It's a faith that was once for all delivered to you and for me. It's given to you and to me in the Bible, in the pages of the Bible. Of course, it came over a period of time. But it was given to us once for all. That is, nothing is to be added to it. It's final. There is no new revelation that is going to come to you and to me. This is it right here in this book on these pages that have been given to you. The faith that has been given to you. And uh, this is an objective source of truth. And the salvation that Jude speaks about here is something which is given to us subjectively, something that you and I experience as you read about Jesus Christ in the pages of the Bible, 
the Holy Spirit comes along and takes the words of truth in the faith that's been given to you and to me and applies that truth to your heart and makes that truth come alive in your heart so that you embrace that truth and love that truth and follow that truth. That's what Jude is speaking about when he speaks about this common salvation that you and I have. And we're in this together, aren't we? We are definitely in this together. And so, a part of the objective is, in coming together week by week, every Sabbath day, every Lord's Day, morning and evening, is to review the content of this faith and to be more and more grounded in the salvation that God is pleased to give to you and to me. Again, verse 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you. Huh. The translation is in the past tense. Although I was very eager to write to you. Actually, it's in the present tense. In the original language, it's present tense. I am eager, he says. I am making every effort, he says, to write to you. Uh, this is an ongoing process. I'm making every effort to write to you. And as I'm making every effort to write to you, I'm reviewing in my mind and in my heart the content of the faith that I want to review with you. And this is the posture of all the apostles. This is the posture of all the biblical writers. They are thinking through the things of salvation and writing about the things of salvation. And they're desirous of making it clear to you and to me the matters of truth. And if this is their purpose, this needs to be your purpose too, I would say. And it needs to be my purpose too. If it's Jude's desire to be uh, constantly reviewing the things of faith, and if his desire is to be making the faith clear uh, to you and to me, we need to be reviewing that faith and understanding that faith more and more. Oh, I know how it is. I've done this a hundred times at least. Gone home from church and thought to myself, well, how boring that was. Rather than being engaged with the Word of God and reviewing the truth of the Word of God that's given in the Scriptures and learning something. I, I remember going on trips uh, with our family when they were young, and I'd say uh, we were on the road somewhere, 
in Missouri or in Illinois or, or somewhere, and we'd wake up on a Sunday morning, and I'd, uh, I'd look at uh, the uh, local phone directory and say, okay, we're going to this church. And the kids would say, oh, no, Dad, we're not going to go there, are we? What are we going to get out of that? And I said, would always say to them, if you pay attention to what the pastor has to say, you're going to learn something. Hello? Get those two brain cells uh, together up there in your beanie head, and you'll learn something. And I think this is the case. With all of us, we need to be reviewing the truth of the Word of God. And this is all the more uh, the case because problems arise in the church. Now, why do problems always arise in the church? Huh. Just look around. People. Problems arise because the church is composed of people. People like us. Let's look at this next verse here. Verse 4. For certain people, Jude says, have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. People creep in to the midst of the church unnoticed. You may ask the question, well, how does that happen? Are the elders not doing their job? Are they not careful when they examine people with regard to church membership? What seems to be their problem? Well, the problem is that the elders do not have spiritual x-ray vision. The elders cannot look into the hearts of men and women and young people to see whether or not they are born again. They do not have that capability. And so they are not infallible. None of us are. And so, individuals may profess faith in Jesus Christ and have a good grasp of the body of truth that's given in the Gospels and in the rest of Scripture, but that truth may never have sunk down into the depths of their hearts. The Apostle Paul says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Notice those two things. That if you understand the truth, 
and can articulate the truth of God that is present in the body of faith given to us once for all. That's a good thing. But interestingly enough, a lot of people have a good grasp of the truth and have an intellectual understanding of the truth. Their lips repeat the truth, but their hearts are far from Jesus. You must be able to articulate the truth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I remember uh, back in uh, my seminary days having a little debate with a fellow out on the back of our uh, dormitory and uh, I was washing uh, my uh, little red uh, Volkswagen Beetle. And uh, this other student comes up to me and starts uh, debating with me uh, about the Scriptures, uh, not believing uh, the Scriptures. And I remember going like this. I think uh, the foundation of the tr Scriptures is as solid as this concrete on which we're standing. I believe it's true. And uh, that uh, testimony uh, was coming from my heart, from my whole being. And uh, uh, that's the idea, is it not? Uh, you see, you and I must trust Jesus Christ from the heart and not only have an intellectual understanding of the gospel. Uh, the late John Gerstner uh, used to say, uh, as he traveled in uh, academic circles, he said, I know a lot of guys who, uh, professors, who know much about Jonathan Edwards and much about John Calvin because they've spent all of their lives studying Calvin or studying Jonathan Edwards. And he says, ah, uh, uh, their testimony would be, I know what John uh, Calvin believes, and I know what he teaches, but I don't believe a whit of it myself. What a terrible thing. Back to verse 4. For certain people have crept, crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation designated for this purpose. Uh, a little earlier, I didn't mention this fact, when uh, Jude speaks about our being kept in Jesus Christ, there's a note of predestination present there. A note of election, of eternal election and eternal predestination. Now Jude uh, speaks about uh, those who have crept in unnoticed, who are ungodly and deny the lordship of Jesus Christ. And he says that they have been designated for this condemnation. 
double predestination. Jude is speaking about election and reprobation. Double predestination. <gasps> oh dear. Part of the body of truth that has been given to you and to me. And so, as difficulties arise in the church, what ought to be the response? When problems arise in the church, people like you and me must contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Verse 4 again. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord. Well, I should have backed up to verse 3, shouldn't I? Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. To contend for the faith. I'm sure when Vince Lombardi... Uh, uh, spoke to his uh, uh, football team before uh, they went into a game. He always uh, said to them, Now men, uh, make sure that you uh, have the proper defensive posture uh, so that we don't lose this football game. No. A good offense is the best defense. And the objective is to contend in the game and fight in the game for the victory. And this is exactly what Jude is saying to you and to me. Contend for the faith. Fight for the faith. It's just not a matter of doing apologetics. It's a matter of being out on the front line and vigorously preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and contending for the truth of the gospel. This is what missions is all about. This is why Jesus Christ has put his church in the world. Not to be a body that's comfortable and at ease, uh, when I think about it, I kind of smile because in many congregations, the posture of the elders is uh, everything's going smoothly. The offerings are adequate to carry on the programs of the church. Let's not get carried away here. Uh, let's be content with what we have and be glad for what we have. Oh, no, friends. The church is not to lay back and be content for what it has. It must be ever moving forward. It must be contending for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. 
It must be broadcasting the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And I'm so glad to be part of a congregation that's anxious about sending out missionaries to go into places where the gospel has not been heard so that men and women will hear the good things of Jesus Christ and be converted. Contending for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Uh, uh, let me put what we've been talking about uh, in this way. Uh, not too many years ago, the evangelical church was engaged in uh, what was called the Lordship Controversy. And uh, what that meant was that there were some in the evangelical church who said, oh, it's perfectly fine for individuals to just say, I believe in Jesus. And if they just say, I believe in Jesus, they're guaranteed to go to heaven. And it doesn't really matter how they live after that. Sometime later, they may or may not confess Jesus as Lord. And there were others in the evangelical church who were saying, no, time out. <laughs> the basic confession of the Christian church is Jesus Christ is Lord. And you must live for him and you must follow him. It's too easy just to say, I believe in Jesus, and then move on. And then there were some who came along and said, oh, it's okay, they're just carnal Christians. What? Carnal Christians? Fleshly Christians? Christians who follow the flesh rather than the spirit? That's an oxymoron. You can't be a carnal Christian. That's not how it works. Uh, with that little bit of background, uh, I've already mentioned uh, John Gerstner. Uh, John Gerstner used to tell this story about being on a college campus and uh, speaking to a rather large audience uh, about the fruit of the Spirit and the deeds of the flesh. And as he was speaking, uh, a student in the audience wrote a note and passed the note up in the audience uh, to the platform. And, and the note makes its way through the audience up to the platform. And uh, Dr. Gerstner reads the note, and the note says something like this. I'm a committed Christian, and I know I'm a committed Christian. I'm living with my girlfriend, and I've been doing so for some time. You cannot tell me, Dr. Gerstner, that I'm not a Christian. 
and won't go to heaven. And Dr. Gerstner, in his own uh, inimitable way, in his gravelly throat, quoted from Galatians chapter 5, the text that says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Dr. Gershner was contending in that circumstance for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And he was quite confident in contending for the faith once for all delivered to the saints because he had already spent a lifetime studying that faith and reviewing that faith and his own salvation and comparing it with the Word of God. And this is exactly the direction Jude is urging you and me to travel. To patiently, regularly review the content of your salvation and the body of truth that is given in Scripture so that you may grow in that faith and in that salvation. And so that you, when the time comes, may properly contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Study. Study. Review that faith and your salvation. And be ready to contend for the faith once for all, delivered to the saints. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for uh, Jude. Uh, thank you that you have brought us together as a body, as your church. And thank you that week by week we may hear rehearsed for us the good things of the Word of God, and we may contemplate our own salvation. And we pray that by the power of the Spirit, your truth would be so worked into our hearts that at the proper time, we will be enabled by your grace to contend for the faith once for all, delivered to us. Bless us to this end, we pray, in the good name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. Amen.